good to have you Eastside. Good to see you. Thanks for coming out today and being with us in worship. We're thrilled to have you and our online community, wherever you're at. Man, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for taking the time uh, to be with us. I believe in the message that I'm going to speak tonight so much. I am so passionate about the content of what we're going to deal with today. I don't know how we're going to be home before 10 o'clock. I just don't know how that's going to happen, but we're going to give it our best shot, okay? We're going to do all we can for that. When I decided a few weeks ago uh, that I wanted to teach through this series called Killing It, I, I wanted to kind of get in that frame of mind. And so probably for about a month now, I've just been trying to, to watch around me and pay attention and recognize people who are just doing things extraordinarily well. I wanted to see people who were killing it in whatever areas. And I just started paying attention to those things. And, and last week we talked about teachers and medical professionals who were just killing it, man, right now during COVID. But I'm, I'm telling you, there are examples everywhere. Everywhere you look, as messed up as this world is, there are some amazing people doing amazing things around us. And we've got way more reasons to be positive and hopeful than negative and discouraged. Do you believe that? I believe it with all of my heart. And if you don't believe it, <laughs> just get on some parents' social media page and see how they're bragging about their kids or get on grandparents' page and they're bragging about their grandkids. Can we just be honest about something? Can we just be honest? Is there anybody here like me? You're ever tempted to kind of respond to one of those and, and say, lighten up, dude. Your kid ain't that special. Come on. Huh? Are we there? Huh? Or, or have you ever wanted to say, you know, your, your grandbaby ain't that cute. This it, is not that cute. Unless it's my grandkids. Okay. So we, we know where we're at there. But I want to tell you about a kid, man, who was killing it. Okay. He absolutely killed it one night. And some of you all will actually remember this. This really happened. And his story came to mind as I've been thinking about this idea of killing it over the last few weeks. Nine years ago this month, Carrie Underwood had a concert in Louisville. And during the concert, when Carrie Underwood is singing, she notices out in the audience, up in the front, there's a little guy there, there's a little boy there. Uh, he's 12 years old, and he's holding a sign that says, will you be my first kiss? Now, already I'm worried about a 12-year-old boy ain't got any lip yet. But anyway, 12 years old, will you be my first kiss? And she called him up on stage, and she said, what's this about? And he said, I've never kissed a girl other than my mama, and I, I think you're pretty, and I want to know if I could, you know, can you be my first kiss? And she said, well, you need to know that my husband is here tonight, and he's out here somewhere, and if I do this, he's going to hunt you down. Do you still want to do this? And he said, yeah. <laughs> and so Carrie Underwood asked this kid, all right, how do you want it? And here was his reply, lip to lip. <laughs> and Carrie Underwood bends down and kisses this kid on the lip with a quick little peck and the place went crazy. 
And every man in that room was thinking, kid, you are killing it. You are killing it. Now, what we're here for uh, today is not to talk about little kids kissing pretty girls. That's not why we're here. We're, we're here to talk about killing it in your faith. So walking with God extraordinarily well. And man, I just, I just love that concept that we come together as a church family and we're bold enough to ask that question, what would that look like, man? That if my walk with God was at a level that I am killing it, man, I'm doing extraordinarily well, what would that look like? And so we're taking time here at Eastside, and we're kind of walking through those things, and I'm, I'm going to suggest five different, very specific, they're different, very specific things that are, are reflective of an individual who is killing it or walk with God. Now, last week we started it, and we started with this idea of surrender, that that's where it begins at that point. A total giving up of control of every part of your life to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we said, that's where it starts. My, my beliefs, my behaviors, everything about me, I allow him to control it. And so if you're at that point, and I hope you're a little closer than you were last week when we first talked about it, you are, you're starting to kill it in your faith. Now, now today we jump into the second one. And the second one is called killing it in your study. Now already, when you see that, it's easy to go, oh man, this is gonna be a sleeper here. But I want you to hear this. I want you to know what I mean by study. So I brought a little explanation of a kind of definition. So check this out when I talk about study. It is a lifetime of progressively increasing your connection to the word of God and allowing its contents to guide you in every step of your life. And so what I mean by killing it in your study is that this thing right here, increasingly, progressively, is becoming more and more a part of your soul and it guides everything you do. And if you can get to that point, man, you are killing it in your faith. But how do you do that? And that's what this message is about. We're gonna talk in this service, and you're gonna get in your cars in a little bit. It'll be just before 10, I promise you. And you're gonna know how the Word of God and all of its contents can get inside of me and start to guide me in every part of my life. Now, that was taught very first of all by a guy named Paul, and many of you know about the Apostle Paul in the Bible. And he had a young protege of his named Timothy, and it's kind of like an older pastor and younger pastor thing. And Paul kind of mentored Timothy, wrote Timothy two letters about being a pastor. And those letters are in your Bible. And in one of those letters, Paul is talking about the very thing that we're talking about right now. And that is how the word of God can progressively, increasingly become more a part of your life, guiding everything that you do. And so we're gonna borrow that. We're gonna go back to when Paul actually wrote that to Timothy. And I wanna propose 
that the way Paul told Timothy, this can happen for you? Listen, dude, it can happen for you. And it can happen for me as well. And so our concentration is on his second letter. It's called Second Timothy. And we're going to get zero in on the third chapter. And in the third chapter of his second letter, he begins to unfold how the word of God becomes more a part of who you are, guiding every part of your life. And as I read the text and as I study what I'm gonna share with you, what I see are some very specific things to do. And I wanna challenge you as I walk through these to ask yourself, can I do that in my life? Can I make that happen in my life? Because every one of them can happen upon your choice. So let me show you the very first one, and then I'll show it to you in the, in the text. And it is this, that you learn to distinguish it. And you're gonna know what I mean by that. I don't, I don't even know how to tell you. I put that in my notes. I don't even know how to explain how vitally important that is. I don't have the words to tell you how vitally important this is. If you only give me a few minutes when I preach of your attention and then you zone out, if that's you, okay, make it these minutes. This is the key to it and this idea of distinguishing it. But you gotta think with me, okay? You gotta, you gotta listen. I wanna give you a metaphor and then we're gonna come back to that metaphor. It all makes sense in a minute. But let's say that you're thinking about your life and you remember a time in your life when you were in the best shape that you ever were. I mean, you felt good, you were healthy, your body looked good, everything was perfect. You were probably younger than what you are now, unless you're one of those 30 and under blessed individuals. And you just think about that time, man, I, it was going for me physically and now I've lost it all. And now I wanna get back to that. And most people in this room say, dude, I've been there about 347 times and I wanna get back to that. How do you get back to that? Now, all of us kinda know how to get back to that. And, and so one of the things that we're gonna do is we're gonna start exercising and we're gonna do that like crazy and we're gonna exercise as much as we can and we're gonna buy a membership at the gym. We're actually gonna go there after we buy it and we're gonna exercise and exercise and exercise. And watch this. Nothing will happen until you deal with what you put in your mouth when you eat. And I don't know if it's true in every setting at every time. I don't know this. I've just read that it is, that if you want to get back what you had physically, watch this, that 20% is exercise and 80% is nutrition. Now, if that's true, which I've been told that it is, watch this. You cannot get healthy without nutrition. You can exercise until the cows come home, but if you don't have nutrition, you're not gonna get healthy. And right now you're thinking, dude, what is this even talking about? Now watch this, watch this. It's, I don't even know how to say how much I want you to see this. In, in verses 13 and 14, when Paul's writing to Timothy, this whole idea about the word of God, he says this, let's look at this. Evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse. Somebody say bad to worse. Somebody say that, bad to worse, okay? That's how people are gonna get. They're gonna go from bad to worse, deceiving, being deceived, but as for you, now stop right there for a second. 
What he has done in the fullness of the third chapter, going all the way back to the first chapter, he's been talking about that as the world moves along, as history moves along, watch this, godless, bad people are gonna keep getting bad. They're gonna get worse and worse and worse. In fact, let me, let me read for you, just listen to this, the opening words of chapter three. And tell me if this doesn't sound like today. Watch this. He said, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Dude, that sounds like my day and I work at a church. (laughs) Now watch, here's what he said is that's gonna keep getting worse. And after he's affirmed all of that, and you and I go, man, you know what you were talking about then? Then there's this phrase, but as for you, Timothy. And then he starts to describe that Timothy, watch, you're not gonna go from bad to worse. You're gonna go from good to better. See, that's killing it. Killing in your walk with God is not going from bad to worse like godless, irreverent people do. Killing in your faith is to go from good to better. And so you might say, okay, how do you do that? Watch, 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 watch. Everything he talks about from that point is about progressively increasing your connection to the word of God and allowing it control every part of your life. So what's happening with all that? Please make sure you catch this. I don't know anything I'm gonna say more important than that. There is a distinguishing mark between people who go from bad to worse and godless and godless and godless and those who are starting to get it in their walk with God going from good to better and you say, what is the one difference? The one difference is your intimate connection with the word of God. The very way that you cannot get healthy without nutrition. It is impossible. Hear me, friends. You cannot improve your walk with God without his word. It is the one distinguishing mark between the godly and the ungodly. It's that big of a deal. It distinguishes us. And so once that's settled in your spirit, and when you're reading through it, you're you're thinking right now, wow, this is important. Watch what he does then. He then moves to another element that he wants Timothy to do in order to progressively increase his connection with God, and it's this, learn it. So as soon as you've learned to distinguish it, it is the thing that makes the difference. Now I've got to learn it. Now, I think this is as good a time as any to tell you something about something that happened in our church that I just think we ought to know as a family of God, and we probably ought to deal with it, probably got to 
call an elders meeting or something, but I just think you need to hear about it. We love the Dickerson family in our church. Can you give it up for the Dickerson family? We love them. We love them dearly. Winston is a blessing to our staff, and he's just not a great pastor, man. He's a fun guy. He is a blast to be around. His wife, Amanda, is just incredible, a wonderful person. They're kids. I think they've got about 14 of them now. I mean, they are incredible uh, kids, but something happened last week that I think you need to know about. Our, our church needs to know this about them. Their children attend a Christian school, and in class last week, the teacher asked the students who knocked down the walls of Jericho. And apparently at this Christian school, they were talking about the old story from Joshua 6 and you know, walls of Jericho fall down and she had been talking about it and she asked her little classmate, okay, who knocked down the walls of Jericho? And, and Winston and Amanda's son, Milo, who is just about the coolest kid in the whole church. Milo is paying attention, he says, who knocked down the walls? And he went like this, don't ask me, I didn't do it. And the teacher got cracking up about that. And afterwards, the class, when school's over, she called Amanda. Said, you gotta hear this, this is unbelievable. I'm talking about the walls, your class, who, you know, who knocked down the walls? And Milo said, don't ask me how to do it. And here's what Amanda said. Well, if my son said he didn't do it, then he didn't do it. <laughs> so the teacher's mind is blown, okay? And she goes to the principal. And she said to the principal, hey, we all know the Dickerson family, man, everybody thinks they're way, but there ain't happening there. And she told the principal, okay, they're on staff at a church, and I don't know anything about the walls of Jericho. And the principal thought, well, I, I probably need to check into this. He calls Winston. He said, dude, I just gotta check in with you for a minute here. Um, you know, Mrs. Who-and-so was talking about walls of Jericho, Bible said, he did it. Called your wife, she said, my son did it, did it. Here's what Winston said, here's what Winston said. Dude, I am so busy, I ain't got time for this. Just get the wall fixed, send me a bill, I'll take care of the, I'll take care of it. <laughs> okay, you know that didn't happen, don't you, okay? That didn't happen because that's a family that progressively, increasingly connects themselves to the Word of God in a wonderful way, guides, controls every part of their life. That never happened there. And it would have never, ever happened with Timothy. That would have never happened to him. And we know why, because of what Paul writes. Look at verse 14. But as for you, we saw that in the last slide. Continue in what you've learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Now, when you read that, what he is referencing is what he wrote about in the first chapter of the book when he said to Timothy, I, I know, and you know, Timothy, how you learned the word of God. You learned it from your mother, Eunice, and your grandmother, Lois and they taught you the word. And now we come back here, and we have reference to Paul saying to Timothy, now remember where you learned this, okay? And just think through it, okay? So little Timothy is in the house, and, 
And there's times when, when his mom Eunice is teaching him and his brothers and sisters about the great acts of God from the Old Testament. And on the weekends, Timmy gets to go hang out at Grandma Lois's house. And before she puts him in bed, she goes, let's memorize the Ten Commandments together. And you can just kind of see in your, your mind how that's working. And so when you look at that, it's easy to think, well, just kind of a little historical statement that he learned the word of God from his mother and grandmother. Don't on your life think that's all it says. What happens there is that Paul is bringing up this idea that in order for you, Timothy, to be killing in your faith, in order for you to be where other people can see you as a leader, then you have got to have this connection with the word of God. And Timothy, remember how you learned it. You learned it. And so when I look at that and think, how does that apply to my life and your life? The question is, how can I learn it? I've got to learn it. If it's the distinguishing mark between ungodly people who go from bad to worse and Christian people who go from good to better, and if it's the mark, then how do I learn it? And you know, if you really want to learn the, God, the word of God, then you got to block off some time where you will systematically read the Bible and you will buy some tools like commentaries and concordances that can help you dive in a little bit deeper. And you might even take some cash that you take from your hard-earned money and enroll in some, some courses that are offered online at Bible colleges. And there were some of you in this room who do those kinds of things. And I think it's great and I'm proud of you and it's powerful when you do that. But guess what? And don't get mad at me for telling the truth. Almost nobody's gonna do that stuff. And you know it as well as I know it. You're not gonna do that stuff. And so then do we become a people who says, well, I, I guess I just won't learn the word of God. No. Pay attention to how Timothy learned it. Watch. He was put into a position where he learned from someone else who taught him. So when I think of it in that term, I start to be honest about this and real about this. How can we learn the word of God? Well, I want to suggest that you train yourself to put yourself in positions where you are a learner of someone who can teach it to you. Now that's why as long as I have breath, I'm gonna get in your business here for a few minutes, okay? As long as I have breath, I will preach that Christians need to be in church every week. And I'm unapologetic about that, okay? Yeah, if you wanna applaud for that, applaud for that. I'm right with you. Christians need to be in church every week. And there are all kinds of reasons for it, but here's one of them, is that you're putting yourself in a position where you're setting it up where you can learn the word of God from somebody who studied it and is equipped to be able to teach it to you. And if you're not here, 
you don't get to learn it. And I'm going to make a promise to you. I'm going to, man, I was really uncomfortable writing this stuff, but I wrote it and I'm going to say it and hope for the best here. I'm going to promise you something. And I'm not, I'm not talking about any other church other than Eastside. I can't answer for any other church. I can only answer for our church. At our church, when we gather for weekly worship to hear sermons, they will be the result of somebody who has spent the necessary time and has paid the necessary sweat to decipher the majestic truths in this Bible, and then that person is gonna figure out a way to communicate it with clarity and with passion and with life application, or they won't be on our stage. That's what you'll have here, and I promise that to you. I promise that. Here at Eastside, I'm not answering for any church, I'm answering for, here at Eastside, when we gather to worship, we are not going to try and make this a time to give you psychological advice about something. And we're not gonna try to be parenting experts or financial wizards, and we're not gonna try to fix the political system. You're not gonna get any of that from this stage. Those things are great. I hope you figure them all out. We might have opportunities where we can go do that together, but that's not what we do here. What we do here is teach this. That's what we do here. That's what we expose here. And when people stand up on this stage, whoever they are, they are going to be people who have put the work in to be able to unveil the truth of God to you. Now listen carefully, because there's one woman who ruffles some feathers. But you gotta be here to listen to it. And if you're not here, you don't get it. Now, why is it so important that I'm there, Dave? Because it's the distinguishing mark, gang, between us and all of them. You've got to put yourself in a position where you will learn that, where you'll be in a setting where you can learn the word of God from somebody else who can teach it. And while I'm on a roll, let me throw another opportunity to you. I wanna suggest that we've learned recently another way to spread the word of God and the truth of the word of God, and that's our online virtual Bible studies. I continue to say, I think that's one of the positives that God brought out of COVID, is we've learned now how not to allow miles or distance to stop the spread of the gospel. And so now we do that in virtual Bible studies. You know about those. We put them on on Tuesday nights so you can get them anytime you want and you sit down for 45 minutes and you listen to somebody unfold what the word of God said. Right now we're doing the book of Revelation. I've wanted to do the book of Revelation in a study here since I came here 16 years ago. And there's never been a chance in our schedule and the things we do to do that. And then this rose up and it was like, God said, here it is, here it is, here's the chance. 45 minutes every week, you hear about the word of God. And I just wanna tell you this. If you don't have 45 minutes in your week to put yourself in a position to hear somebody teach the word of God, then you need to get rid of something. You need to quit one of your jobs or you need to cut out a television show or you need to kick one of your kids out of the house, but you need 45 minutes to learn the word of God. Man, I'm hot, but here we go. <laughs> watch, watch this. We haven't even got 
to the main point that Paul told Timothy about yet. Don't clap. I'm telling you, we got a couple hours to go. Here we go. Let me go to the third one. Let me go to the third one. So I distinguish it. Okay, there's a difference between them and us. Okay, it's the word of God. So I'm going to learn it, man. I'm going to do what I got to do to learn it. And last one, believe it. I'm going to believe it. I'll tell you something funny about my family. I think every family's got some weird things about them, okay? Mine does too. For some reason, I think it's probably because I got three boys and we just had a ball uh, when they were growing up. And so one of the kind of a goofy things that me and my boys do and my wife kind of rolls her eyes whenever it happens, but we just kind of crack up about that stuff, is we've seen different movies through the years or different things on television or something, and, and there were phrases that become kind of funny phrases for us, okay? And we use them all the time. We were watching a sitcom one time, and uh, they were doing a scene in the sitcom. And in the sitcom, they were doing the scene on the technology of Alexa, okay, when it was first coming out. And you know that thing you can, you know, you can ask questions. We've got one at our home. I do it all the time. Alexa, who won the Cardinal game last night? So she'll tell me. Alexa, what's the weather today? So she'll tell me. And this little spoof in this sitcom was about <laughs> what it would be for Alexa for senior citizens, okay? Now, don't get offended because I'm one of y'all, okay? I get the senior coffee at McDonald's too. So so in this seat, this guy kind of, you know, is working in his living room and he sits down and he lays his, his cane down and he says, Alexa, how many home runs Satchel Page get last night? And Alexa came back and said, Satchel Page died in 1982. <laughs> and this old man said, I don't know about that. That phrase has dug into the relationship that I have with my boys. We might be out golfing somewhere and run into somebody, and somebody starts bragging about their golf man. I hit hole ones all the time. And one of my kids will look at me and go, I don't know about that. We might be in a restaurant and the waitress will say to me, oh, you got to try the meatloaf. It's the best thing you ever put in your mouth. And I'll look at my wife and go, I don't know about that. <laughs> now, now watch, watch, watch this. Have you ever, be honest, just you, okay? Nobody's got to know this. Have you ever read the word of God and saw something like, wow. And inside you were going, I don't know about that. Okay, have you ever done that? Okay, just, just be honest with yourself. What would you say if I showed you in the Bible where Jesus said, nobody goes to heaven unless they go there through him? Here's what he said about that. That Christianity is the only religion that will get you to heaven. There is no other religion that will get you to heaven. You ever read that and think about it and go, <laughs> I don't know about that. How about, how, about, how about if I read the verse that says, if you don't forgive other people, then the Father in heaven is not gonna forgive you. I don't know about that. What if I showed you where neglecting the gathering of the church is directly related to intentional sin? What about keeping some of your tithe, which is the first 10% of your income, and the Bible showing that if you keep any of that for your own discretion, then you are stealing from God. What about 
Husbands are the leaders of their family. Now, you can turn it around because those things are kind of like, whoa, you know, I don't know about. And, and then what, what if you took a positive approach and you read verses where God says, here's the deal. I will never leave you. I will never leave you. See, the word of God has all kinds of things in it that are just, when you look at them and you go, man. Now, now why, is, why is all that important? Why am I using that kind of metaphor? Is we're talking about killing it with your faith, okay? And we're, talk, we're talking about why that's so important. You gotta learn it. And then, and then Timothy writes this. We've looked at this verse, but I wanna go back and show you something with it. But as for you, continue what you've learned and have become convinced of. Remember when I told you earlier, if you only give me a few minutes, give it to me right then, because, you know, that's it. I lied to you, because this is equal to it. That is a beautiful Greek word. It's beautiful. It means this. It means that I come to a point in my life, I kind of hit a pause button, and I turn around, and I go a different direction, and from now on, from now on, at this moment, since I turned around, at this moment, from now on, I'm only interested in what is in front of me. I don't even think about what's behind me. That's what that word means. Convinced about that from now on. Now what Paul does is he uses it in the context, don't lose me here, of believing the word of God. And so here's what he's saying to Timothy. Is Timothy, you'll come to a point in your life where you will turn around and you will say, I'm heading that way from now on. I know I've been back there, but I'm never gonna go back here. That's, that's not me. I'm going this way and I will forever now always believe everything about the word of God. Now, now watch, here's what that means. Is that when I learn things about the word of God that I didn't know, I've already decided that I'm going to believe it. Is anybody catching that? I've decided I'm gonna believe it before I ever learn it. And so everything I learn in the word of God, I know it's true, I'm convinced of it. So watch, I believe something about the word of God and then I go to college and my university professor says something contrary to what the word of God says. What do I do about that? If I'm convinced, here's what I do. Well, I guess my university professor is wrong. Or if I believe this about the word of God and now my BFF on Instagram is posting things that is contrary to what the word of God says. What do I do about that with my best friend? Here's what I do. I guess my best friend is wrong. I don't ever have to deal with that because I have already decided that I am convinced of its truth. Now, I've got worked up. I'm about out of breath. So I'm going to do this as quick as I can. And it's about time to go. But I, I want to show you one more, okay? And, and it's this, to use it. So I distinguish it, okay? It's the mark, the difference between them and us. So I'm going to learn it. I'm going to put myself in that position. I'm going to believe it from now on. Whatever I learn, man, it is true. I believe it. I don't care what anybody says. I believe it. And then the reason that Paul even wrote it to Timothy, 
is that you would use it. You would use this in your life. Look at the 15th verse. He writes this in verse 15. All scripture is God-breathed. That means it comes from God. And it is useful. And then he spends about a sentence and a half talking about the various ways that you can use it in your life. So what's all that mean? Well, here's what it means. You wanna know how to raise your kids? You can get a lot of advice out there. There's a lot of advice on how to raise kids. But you start here. Did anybody, did anybody catch that? This is where you start. You wanna know how to handle money? There's a lot of people out there who will charge you money to tell you what to do with your money. But you start here. You wanna know what to do when you wanna punch your boss in the nose? I, I can give you some counselor's names who will help you work through that and will help keep you out of jail, okay? I can give you names and numbers. But before you call them, you start here. Why learn it if you don't use it? Now let me send you off with a moment that grabbed my heart one day and we'll be done. In 1980, I got a chance to take a two-week mission trip to Germany. And I was with a group of people from my college and just a really cool time. And one, one day we took a tour of this museum, had all this, all this stuff in the museum. And that was what, 41 years ago? And to be honest with you, I don't remember hardly any of it except for one room. And we got on this elevator and it took us up. And while we're going up, our guide was explaining to us that when we get up there, that is a very reverent place. And so we do not talk there. There's no talking. Total silence. And so the elevator doors open up, and we look out there, and there's just one room. It's an elevator door to one room, and it's kind of a small room, and there's nothing in the room except on the other side from the elevator door, there is a glass box. Looks like a casket. Just total glass. And on either side of the glass, there are armed military guards standing at attention with a rifle next to them, both of them. And we were like. And we were told that we could walk up to the glass case and spend a couple minutes there, no talking, and everybody come back and we will leave. And before we did, our guide told us what you were about to see is a portion of the actual Gutenberg Bible. If you don't know what that is, in 1450, it was the very first time in all of humanity where we printed by typeface a book. And the book that we used to print was the Bible. That's a great trivia thing to know. If anybody ever asks you, what's the first book ever printed? It was the Bible in 1450. This museum had secured a portion of the Gutenberg Bible, and it was in that case. So we all walked up to it. I remember the glass was about three inches thick, and both guards are there, and nobody's talking, and we're just kind of looking at it and trying to read it a little bit. And I thought, 
dude, you got to get a picture of this. And so I grabbed 1980, my trusty Canon 35 millimeter, you know, big time camera. Some of y'all going, what are you even talking about? You know, I grab it and I'm about to pull it up to take a picture. And I happened to glance at one of the guards and he put his hand on the gun and looked at me and went. And I put my camera back. And I remember being struck that day with the value of the word of God. And I have given, I have given my life to learn it and to love it and to respect it and to use it. And the more that I do it, the more I start killing my faith. And I hope that you'll do the same. Let's pray. Lord, I love your word. And I'm so broken over the times that I disregard it. Outside of your son, I can't, I can't think of anything you've given to us that is more valuable. And this weekend, I pray that you call us back to the reality of that. And we do something about it. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen and amen.